Good evening, everyone. It's so good to be together again in worship. It's so good to be back on the Sunday evening, ending of the Lord's Day together. It's so good to sing those songs and to praise and worship our living God. So I trust that your heart has been encouraged as mine as we prepare ourselves for the word this evening. As we kick off our evening series, or our evening services rather, I thought it might be fitting to hone in and meditate specifically on our Lord Jesus Christ uh, this evening. And I want to do so by meditating on a verse that is well known. Uh, I even preached on this text on the, uh, the, the carol service, but I'm coming to it again with a different perspective or a different focus, and I trust that will be an encouragement to us. And that text is... Matthew 1:21, where we hear these simple words, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. Their sins. It's a simple verse, a profound verse, and my prayer is that it will reform our hearts to its truth. Let's pray again. I know we've already prayed, but let's pray again, asking the Lord for his grace. Heavenly Father, we are keenly aware that we deserve nothing from you. We are aware that in this week we have sinned multiple times. We have wandered away from the faith. We have often failed to love you the way you have called upon us. We have failed to be faithful. Yet we thank you, Lord, just as the words that we sang now, that you indeed are faithful. That you have kept your promises. We think particularly of this passage and we reflect upon the promise given in your son that he will save his people. And we recognize even this evening that we are here because he has done a great work. We're not here because we have saved ourselves. We're not here because we think we can save ourselves. But we are here because you recognize that apart from your saving grace, we would be ruined. And so even this evening, as we think on and meditate upon the Lord Jesus Christ, would you not help us to to again have our affections revived for Him, that again we would cherish Him above all others, that He would reign preeminently in our hearts this evening. We ask this in the glorious, matchless name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I know of a name, a beautiful name, that angels brought down to earth. They whispered it low one night long ago to a maiden of lowly birth. That beautiful name, that beautiful name from sin has power to free us. That beautiful name, that wonderful name, that matchless name is Jesus I know of a name, a beautiful name that unto a babe was given. The stars glittered bright throughout that glad night, and angels praised God in heaven. That beautiful name, that beautiful name from sin has power to free us. That beautiful name, that wonderful name, that matchless name is Jesus. I love that blessed name, that wonderful name, made higher than all in heaven. 
It was whispered, I know, in my heart long ago, to Jesus my life I've given. That beautiful name, that beautiful name. From sin has power to free us. That beautiful name, that wonderful name, that matchless name is Jesus. Now we know very little from Jean Perry who wrote that hymn, but we do know this, that she loved the name Jesus. She loved that name. That name was more than just a religious word. It was more than just an incantation to mindlessly recite. It was more than just something to say at the end of your prayers. No, far from it, the name of Jesus was loved because she loved Jesus. And dear friends, my goal this evening is that we too would again love the name Jesus. That, that we would love that name because we love him. In, in a sense, I've got one application point this evening. And that's simply this, that we would have our hearts revived with love for Christ. In fact, this evening, as we look at this passage, I want to share various hymns from various authors, saints of old, who, who love the name of Jesus. And my hope is, as we, we hear their love for Christ, our love for Christ would be motivated and, and revived, that their love would be infectious as we hear of how they praise and magnify the name of Jesus. That's my simple goal this evening. But, but as we consider our passage, I want you to see four reasons why you and I ought to love the name of Jesus. Firstly, we should love the name of Jesus because it's an ordinary name. It's an ordinary name. We need to remember that the name Jesus in the days of Jesus was actually quite common. Remember, Jesus is nothing but the Greek and Latin versions of the Hebrew name Joshua. Uh, the Jewish historian Josephus Rick records in his writings at least 12 different Joshuas. He even mentions four famous high priests who were given that name. And, of course, we know two famous ones in the Old Testament, Joshua, the son of Nun. You read of him in Numbers and Deuteronomy, Joshua, and his book, the book named after him. He was the successor to Moses who, who led the people into the promised land. He was a strong, courageous warrior who overcame the Canaanite kings. But there's also Joshua, the son of Jehoiadak in Ezra and Haggai, Zechariah, high priest that, that rebuilt the temple, that reinstituted worship among God's people after the exile. And therefore, it makes sense because of these heroes, the name Joshua is, is quite popular and therefore quite common, actually quite ordinary. Think of the ordinary common names we have today. Don't take offense, but names like Jessica or, or Michael or John or David. If, if that's you, I'm sorry. It's a good name, but, but it's an ordinary name. And so it is with Jesus' name. But may I suggest to you, the fact that his name is ordinary is a beautiful and wonderful reality. I think of it this way. Jesus is the Christ, like the, the long-awaited Messiah. He is the long-awaited son of Eve who will crush the head of the serpent. He is the long-awaited son of Abraham who will bring, bring blessings to the nations. He is the long-awaited son of David 
who will come and establish God's eternal kingdom. And this long-awaited Messiah is given an ordinary name. Why? Because he is for ordinary people. Ordinary people like you and me. The Messiah, the, the eternal Son of God, takes on our humanity. He enters into our experience. He, he draws near to us despite the fact that we are sinners and rebels. He, he draws near to ordinary people like you and me. Remember how he was baptized with sinners, identifying with them. Remember how he sat and ate and drank with outcasts. Remember how he cared for the sick and the poor and the oppressed. See, Jesus is given an ordinary name because he's for ordinary people. And for that very reason, we ought to love the name of Jesus because despite him being the Messiah, he isn't someone who doesn't care. He isn't someone who is disinterested in us. He isn't someone who thinks himself too good for us. I wonder, have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt that, that no one cares? That no one has any interest in you? That you're not good or that people think they're too good for you? Have you ever felt that way? Do you feel that way? Well, let me introduce you to the Messiah whose name is Jesus who cares for ordinary people. Isaiah, in Isaiah he says this, the Spirit of the Lord, the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison for those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. See, this Messiah cares for the poor, the brokenhearted, the grieving, the mourners, the restless. He is for ordinary people who go through the ordinary experiences of human life. In 1924, a, a pastor by the name of Peter Fulpot was urgently called to visit a young lady by the name of Leila Long. Uh, she had become so distressed and anxious that she'd become very sickly. And yet in that moment of distress, in her anxiety, by the grace of God, that pastor led her to the Lord. Now the next day when he phoned to follow up with the family, he found that the family had to urgently leave and he lost contact with the family completely over time. A number of years later, however, while he was pastoring in another city, in another state, guess who approached him after a sermon, Sunday sermon? Yep, you guessed it, Lay Long had attended the service, all grown healthy and happy. And after thanking him for leading her to Jesus, she gave him this hymn that she wrote on her salvation. It says this, there have been many names that I've loved to hear. But never has there been a name so dear to this heart of mine as the name divine, the precious, precious name of Jesus. Jesus is the sweetest name I know, and he's just the same as his lovely name. 
And that's the reason why I love him so. Oh, Jesus is the sweetest name I know. Dear friends, we should love the name Jesus because it is an ordinary name of an extraordinary Messiah who comes near to a people like us. The Messiah, Son of God, who comes to love us, give himself for us. A God who is for ordinary people like Layla Long and you and me. We ought to love that name because it is an ordinary name. But secondly, we ought to love this name because it is a saving name. It's a saving name. As far as we know, it seems that the name Jesus was actually constructed by Moses. In Numbers 13, we're told it is Moses who gives Joshua his name. In verse 16, it says Moses called Hoshea, the son of Nun, Joshua. See, Moses changed the name from Joshua, which means he saves, to Joshua, which means Yahweh saves. And so the name Jesus seems to imply Moses' faith in Yahweh's ability to save his people. And therefore, in a sense, this name is only and rightfully applied to the son of Mary. Why? Because this child born of Mary is also Emmanuel. God with us, Yahweh coming the flesh to save his people. Quite rightly, as the angels say, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people. See, this is the Savior we've longed for. This is the Savior who truly saves. See, Moses couldn't save God's people from sin. Although he led them out of Egypt, most of them died in the desert in their sin. Nor could Joshua save God's people, although he led them into the promised land. They disobeyed God. They wandered again into idolatry. Not even Joshua the high priest could save God's people, though he reinstituted temple worship. Israel became superficial again and vain in worship. See, these saviors couldn't save because they couldn't deal with sin. And realize we cannot save ourselves because we cannot deal with our sin. But praise be to God, there is a child born and that there is a Messiah who deals with sin. There is finally a Savior for sinners like you and me. That that sin that that defies God and and makes us displeasing in His sight. That that sin that brings destruction and despair and defilement to our lives. That sin, although sweet now, that leads to ultimate and eternal death. That sin finally has met its match in the one called Jesus. Jesus. He has dealt with that sin because he sacrificed himself for sinners like you and me. He has given his life to pay for the wages of our sin. Remember what Paul says, Romans 6, 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Dear friends, what a Savior. 
Jesus purchases our full, final salvation. He pays for our penalty. That is death. He, he brings reconciliation, forgiveness. He secures your eternal rest in heaven. Jesus alone is able to do that. And, and so therefore, if you're a sinner here, why would you not want to know this name? Why would you not want to take hold of the gift of eternal life? Why would you not want to be saved from your sin by calling on this name? Realize there is no other way of salvation. Acts 4.12, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Or consider Acts 10, 43. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him, that is Jesus, receives forgiveness of sins. How? Through his name. And so again, I ask you, why would you not love this name? When you recognize and deal with the reality of your sin, why would you not trust in this name? Why would you not again and again go back to this name of a Savior who saves you from your sin? Listen to this old hymn by Isaac Watts. Jesus, dear name, how sweet it sounds, replete with balm for all my wounds. His word declares his grace is free. Come, needy sinner, come and see. He left the shining courts on high, came to our world to bleed and die. Jesus, the God, hung on a tree. Come, thoughtless sinner, come and see. Your sins did pierce his bleeding heart till death has done its dreadful part. Yet his dear love burns to thee. Come, trembling sinner, come and see. His blood can cleanse the foulest stain, can make the filthy leper clean. This fountain open stands for thee. Come, guilty sinner, come and see. See, we ought to love the name of Jesus because it's in that name that you can get saved from your sin that you can be washed clean. And so love the name of Jesus. It's that name that saved me, a, a filthy skate punk from the dirty streets of the south, and it's a name that can save you. And so will you not trust in that name? We ought to love the name of Jesus because it's the name of the only Savior of your soul. Thirdly, we should love this name because it's a sanctifying name. It's a sanctifying name. We're told here that Jesus is to be called Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. But the question becomes, who are his people? And perhaps that's a good question for you to ask this night. Do you know that you are one of his? Do you belong to him? 
We, we could ask that question by saying that his people are those who have been saved by him. Right? That's so you know. That's what the stick says. He saves his people. And so you know if you're, saved, you're his if you're saved. But the question becomes, how do we know if someone has been saved by him? How do we know if a person really is one of his people? Well, here is the answer. The proof that someone has truly been saved by his name is the fact that they've not just called on his name, but they've been set apart by his name. Consider what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 1, 2. Paul says of the church, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in everywhere who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, Jesus' people aren't just those who have called upon his name at one point. No, they're also those who are continually set apart and sanctified by his name. Meaning, they follow him. They obey him. They worship him. They belong to him. They say with Paul, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in him who loved me and gave himself for me. See, in a world of competing loves, Jesus is most loved amongst his people. And so the question is, is is that you this evening? Is Jesus your preeminent love? Are you sanctified in his name? Do you serve him and him alone? Is that even true of me? See, those who belong to Jesus in this way would no doubt echo these words from William Hammond in his hymn. He says, Gracious Lord, incline thy ear, my request vouchsafe to hear, hear my never-ceasing cry. Give me Christ, or else I die. Wealth and honor I disdain, earthly comforts, Lord, are vain. These can never satisfy. Give me Christ, or else I die. Does your heart echo that refrain? Can you say, give me Christ or else I die? In this sense, that's how we know who Jesus' people are. They love his name. They're set apart by that name. They love him. They follow him. They obey him. They worship him. Him, nothing compares to the surpassing worth of knowing Him. That's how we spot one of His people. See, for them, Jesus' name is precious, it's sweet, it's blessed. In fact, consider some of the blessings that belong to His people who call upon His name. Firstly, in Jesus' name, we are cleansed. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 6.11, Paul says, But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. See, if you belong to Jesus, if you're set apart by His name, you are no longer who you were. But you've been cleansed. You've been justified, accepted, forgiven before the Father. 
In fact, in Jesus' name, we are also God's children. John 1.12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. See, if you belong to Jesus, if you call upon his name and are set apart by his name, you are no longer treated as a wayward son, as a, a, a wayward rebel. No, you are seen and treated and loved as a child. In fact, a child who is shown favor. Thirdly, in Jesus' name, we have favor in prayer. John 16, 23 to 24. In that day you will ask nothing of me, Jesus says. Truly I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. See, if you belong to Jesus you have direct access to the Father as your Father, and the Father gladly hears and answers prayer. Again, why would you not love this name? Why would you not set yourself apart for this name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? See, given all these blessings of actually being Christ's, uh, uh, being one of His people, Paul rightly gives this exhortation in Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to the Father through Him. Live your life every moment, every day for this name. Be set apart for it. Uh, listen to uh, these old words by Bernard of Clairvaux from the 11th century. He said this, Jesus, the very thought is sweet. In that your name all hearts' joys meet. But sweeter than the honey far, the glimpses of his presence are. No word is sung more sweet than this. No name is heard more full of bliss no thought brings sweeter comfort nigh than Jesus, the Son of God Most High. Jesus, the sweetest, thou sweetness and pure and blessed, truth's fountain, light of souls distressed, surpassing all that heart requires, exceeding all that souls require. No tongue of mortal can express, no letter write its blessedness. Alone who hath thee in his heart knows, love of Jesus, what thou art. See, we ought to love the name of Jesus because, yes, it's an ordinary name, but those who take hold of that name, who are sanctified by that name, who are set apart for that name, they get to enjoy God. They are filled with His blessings and joy. They're accepted and treated as loved children. And surely we should love this name. Fourthly and finally, we should love the name of Jesus because it is a sovereign name. It's a sovereign name. Not only is Jesus an ordinary name given to the Messiah who saves and sanctifies the people for God, but because it's a name that saves and sanctifies, it's a name that will be exalted over every 
other name. After describing Jesus' work of salvation, Paul says this, Philippians 2, 9 to 11, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, so realize whether willingly or unwillingly, every tongue will confess the name of Jesus. Willingly or unwillingly, everyone will declare that there is one Lord. And we must rejoice in the fact that Jesus has come into our world with an ordinary name to save and sanctify. But we must also remember that the same Jesus is coming back as sovereign king. And every single person has to give an account. Every single person has to meet and deal with this name. Uh, there's a story told of Charles Wesley while he was preaching to a crowd. Uh, while he was preaching, this, this drunkard came out and became unsettled and started uh, speaking out and reviling and contradicting Wesley. And Wesley eventually got so annoyed that he asked out loud, who is he that pleads for the devil? Imagine doing that in a service. I won't do that. But not being deterred and not uh, being feared of stepping on the toes of the great Charles, Wesley, this drunkard, got up and proudly boasted all the more in his arrogance. However, not wanting to waste opportunity, Wesley exposed this man's sin. He publicly rebuked him in sin and called him to faith and repentance in Jesus' name. And it's at that point the story says that drunkard's pride washed away. And in disgrace, he, he turned away and ran away out of the assembly. And it's that incident that supposedly is behind this famous hymn of Wesley where he writes, Jesus, the name high over all, in hell or earth or sky, angels and men before it fall, and devils fear and fly. Jesus, the name to sinners dear, the name to sinners given, it scatters all their guilty fear. It turns their hell to heaven. Jesus, the prisoner's fetter, breaks and bruises Satan's head. Power into strength, strengthless souls it speaks, and life into the dead. Oh, that my, mankind might taste and see the riches of his grace, the arms of love that compass me, would all the world embrace. Thee I shall constantly proclaim through the earth and hell oppose, bold to confess thy glorious name before a world of foes. I may suggest to you we ought to love the name of Jesus because it is the name of our sovereign Lord. A sovereign Lord who will come again to judge the living and the dead, but a sovereign Lord who is coming again to take you, dear saints, to himself. And when he embraces you in his sovereign arms, then all devils and all worries and all fears and all afflictions will melt away in the blessedness of his embrace. 
a, a sovereign Lord who is sovereignly caring and protecting and vindicating His people. And so we ought to love that beautiful sovereign name. Dear friends, beloved, as I said, my, my goal this evening is quite straightforward. My goal is simply that we would grasp again the wonder and the beauty of that name. Jesus is an ordinary name, but make no mistake about it, it points us to our extraordinary Savior. It's an ordinary name, but it sanctifies a people like you and me for God's possession. It's an ordinary name, but it's a name that every tongue will declare as sovereign. I know of a name, a beautiful name. The one of that name, my Savior became that beautiful name, that beautiful name from sin has power to free us. Dear friend, dear beloved of God, do you know this name? Have you come to know that in that ordinary name you meet the Savior of your soul? Have you come to know in that ordinary name someone who sanctifies you and owns you as his own? Have you come to know in that name, that ordinary name, someone who is both your Lord and your Savior? Oh, for our hearts to sing at the sound of that name. As I close in prayer, allow me to share one more hymn that I'm going to pray for us. And my prayer is that these words become our words as we pray. So will you pray with me? Oh, Lord, how sweet the name of Jesus sounds in our ear. It soothes our sorrows, heals our wounds, and drives out our fear. It makes the wounded spirit whole. It calms the troubled breast. It's manner to the hungry soul and weary and to the weary rest. Dear name, you're the rock on which I build, my shield and hiding place, my never-failing treasury filled with boundless stores of grace. By thee, my prayers acceptance gain, although with sin defiled, Satan accuses me in vain because I am owned a child. Jesus, my shepherd, my husband, my friend, O prophet, priest, and friend, my Lord, my life, my way, my end, accept the praise I bring. Weak is the effort of my heart and cold my warmest thought. But when I see thee as thou art, I'll praise thee as I ought. Till then, I would thy love proclaim with every fleeting breath and my music of thy name refresh my soul in life and death. In Jesus' name, amen.